This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Dan Favalli of NBA Math and Bleacher Report is here, and I can only imagine how excited he is about the Phoenix Suns and Sacramento Kings getting rewarded at the NBA Draft Lottery last night for being completely incompetent for years now. The Suns have had the worst record, I think, cumulative or cumulative record over the last three years. The Magic, I think, over the last like five or six, and you know, the Magic are going to be drafting six for like the ninth time in seven years. So shout out to them. And Evan Fournier, who had the saddest tweet of NBA draft lottery night. Um, Dan, what do you make of all of this? Uh, it was, it was, the NBA draft lottery is actually disappointing to me because I was rooting for just a little bit more chaos. I kind of wanted the, uh, Cavs Nets pick to to just end up in the top three for all the okay that's no 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 why why for all the stuff we would have had to talk about you are the Cavs going to use that pick to to trade to try and keep LeBron um you know you probably talk more about the next Celtics trade to begin with um which would have been I guess a little exhausting there but then it you revisit a bunch of the Kyrie Irving trade stuff I just I root for chaos and that would have been one of the the more chaotic developments that that could have happened during the draft lottery. I'm not you know, the Suns getting the number one pick is uh, it's fine to me. I mean, they had I don't know that it validates tanking necessarily, but they they're gonna pick Aiton or they're gonna pick uh, excuse me Aiton or Doncic. I don't know, like that's fine. I feel bad for the one that doesn't get picked because then he's gonna end up on the Sacramento Kings. Um, but I was kind of hoping for just a little bit more chaos. I know we had two teams move up, but I was hoping for a little bit more bedlam than we actually got. That's fair. And I like where a lot of the teams in the back end of the lottery ended up because I think they're going to be able to get some really good players and the guys that are going to fall to them makes a lot of sense. I know we're um, it's it's super hard to pick, but like the Bulls right now, according to Jeremy Wu on Sports Illustrated, a really great um, NBA writer, he has the Bulls at seven getting Michael Porter Jr., which feels about right for him. Cause, I mean, and that's a huge deal, I think, potentially for the Bulls if he falls all the way there because he was like the unanimous number one guy before the year, and then he got hurt and the back stuff, and then everyone saw that he doesn't really pass or anything else, and he's kind of like a ball stopper and not sure if he translates that well to the NBA and he might be Harrison Barnes 2.0 or whatever, but I think that's really good value there. Trey Young still can go to Cleveland at eight, so that makes things interesting. Um, the Knicks, they need another shooter next to Nilakina because I, I mean, I would get a lead guard next to Nilakina, and I, I still think the right way to go with him long term is turn him into Marcus Smart and get a score first player next to him. It just takes every game so i don't know if i love but bridges i guess can play the three he's six seven so he seems like someone who could do that and switch and all that kind of stuff so if you get mikhail bridges from villanova 
in New York. I think that's a huge win for them, and I think Biz will work out pretty well. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. I just like what he has. Dino, who does not end up uh, with the best option here. Um, the Orlando Magic, who already touched on, who just cannot catch a break in the NBA draft lottery. I, I just I feel for them. Um, Wendell Carter at six just feels incredibly sad for that team and that franchise because he's fine but he's not going to be a star and if that's the best option for them they might as well just like trade i I don't even know what the magic to do the magic uh are in trouble and um they don't have a coach yet so (laughs) you don't think being orlando you don't think that being at six kind of allows them to their obviously you'd rather be in a better spot if you're them, but you could theoretically at number six go for Trey Young and try and fill the point guard hole, and it's not going to seem like you're reaching that much. I mean, I guess. I'm just not a Trey Young guy. I guess that's fair. I don't know that I would – I don't know that I'd want them getting like another combo forward or, or combo big like like Wendell Carter. Just you have uh, – Vucevic on there. You have Aaron Gordon, who you're probably going to resign. You have Jonathan Azik, who's kind of that tweener himself. You're still paying Bismack Biombo. Um, I I know you shouldn't necessarily draft for need all the time, but I uh, I think that they could probably gamble on on Trey Young at that spot, and it wouldn't seem like an overreach. I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about a lot of these guys, but from what I've seen and. I can't get over Ryan Rosillo comparing Trey Young to Jimmy Jimmer Fredette. Oh, so I, I just, nope. And I, I just can't do it. And he was really bad down the stretch the last couple of months. He kind of wore down. I, I don't know. Trey Young scares the shit out of me, especially if I'm a new GM like they have with uh, Jeff Weltman and John Hammond. But then again, those are really good. I mean, John Hammond's the guy who drafted Giannis. So, I mean, maybe things are better. It's not Rob Hennigan drafting anymore. So... Um, maybe that's the positive, but we don't even have a coach in Orlando, so it's really hard to uh, think about who they're going to draft at this point. But um, yeah, I just I, I don't. The draft was fine. It a lot of these teams like the chaos that you're talking about. Like I just who would have been like the most chaotic number one pick or a team to shoot up because you look up. You mentioned the Cavs. I was like half expecting out of everyone like the Clippers to be one of the, like those two picks to actually end up in like the top five. That would have been really fascinating because the Clippers are, <laughs> they're going to have a fun off season. I think Jerry West is going to get anxious and they're going to do something. And I really hope if Kawhi does get moved, he ends up in on the Clippers. I don't want him in New York. I don't want him in Brooklyn. I don't want him in Philly. I don't want him in uh the Lakers. So the Clippers make the most sense to me, and I, I really would like that a lot if he ended up there. But if one of those picks had fallen in the top five, that would be cool. The Sixers drafting at 10 feels weird. It's amazing how used to just looking at NBA draft stuff, of just like the Sixers being in the top three for just years now, just became normal. And now just seeing them take uh, somebody at number 10 being their first pick is a little a little terrifying, man. I think uh, it's it's a new it's a whole new world in Philly. Yeah, and if you think about it, it's even more bizarre because that's not even their pick. Like their own pick is like deep into the twenties or whatever it is. Like, yeah. So it's yeah, and the, the, in that spot though, there if some kind of weird things happen on draft night or 
you know, depending on how – I don't know if I think Michael Porter Jr. is a good fit in Chicago, particularly if you have Zach Levine coming back and you already have Laurie Markin in. Uh, but maybe, you know, one of the bridges, Mark uh, McHale or Miles Bridges falls to them at 10, or could Michael Porter Jr. still be on the board at 10, even though that seems like a reach. They could, they could do some interesting things with that pick, but you're right. It's definitely the, the, the dawn of a new day in Philly. Yeah. I mean, how did you uh, react to Dennis Schroeder? Um removing everything from his Instagram and unfollowing the Hawks. Boogie unfollowed the Pelicans. This is the new way we're going to find out if players are unhappy with their current team. They just unfollow them on Instagram. Right. It's it, it, First of all, that's always just like next-level pettiness. But mm-hmm. at, at the same time... Whoa, 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 Are you saying that Dennis Schroeder and Boogie Cousins might be a little petty? Well, it, I, LeBron James has unfollowed the Cavaliers before, so yes. It's just... Yes, that's true. You look at the cousin. You look at Cousins, who has some stature around the league, even after his injury. Dennis Schroeder's more confusing because players who probably don't rank in the top 20 at their position, who probably aren't one one of the 100 best players in the NBA, shouldn't be making these like passive-aggressive trade demands. And then he's naming teams like the Pacers and the Bucks, who... Maybe they'd want him as a backup, but I wouldn't start Dennis Schroeder over Darren Collison in Indiana. Oh, I wouldn't, you're speaking my language. I wouldn't start him as over As the number Eric one Bledsoe. Darren Collison fan in the NBA, I, I love the fact that you're going to die in this corner with me. Darren Collison's a better point guard than Dennis Schroeder. I think there are about 25 to 30 point guards who are better point guards than Dennis Schroeder right oh, now. wow. Is he... I mean, there's really not that many teams that he'd be able to start for right now. Milwaukee, when I first saw that, I'm like, that makes sense. But especially if Mike Budenholzer, who I want to touch on later, goes to Milwaukee, like, oh. yeah, you can see it. <laughs> they have Bledsoe, though, and even Brogdon I'd rather have than Dennis Schroeder at this point, just because Brogdon's easier to fit oh, in. Can we get Brogdon in in uh, um, Atlanta? I think that's the thing. If can they get him? you, I mean, if you make the money work, I think that'd be... I, I don't know what you're looking to do with your... John Henson would have to be included, right? Like, he's one of the guys going to Atlanta in this deal. And I don't know. Atlanta would really want to have to get off of a shooter's money, I think. But even then, I don't. If you're Milwaukee, why do you want Eric Bledsoe and Middleton and Giannis and Jabari? That's just so many ball dominant guys in in in, in the offense. Hey, as they say, when you have one ball dominant guy, add as many other ball dominant guys around him, and then flourish. I think that's how the saying goes. Uh, maybe, but probably not in their case. But <laughs> we'd have to see who the coach was. You can get Malcolm Delaney. We'll, we'll throw that in. He's not ball dominant. He can um, theoretically shoot threes. Theoretically, yes. Mm-hmm. That was the most annoying offseason development for the Hawks uh, two years ago, where he came over from, I think he played at Virginia Tech like 10 years ago, but he's been playing overseas, and he was like the perfect backup point guard because all he did was shoot threes and tried hard on defense, and he shot like 27% his first year in Atlanta uh, shooting threes. It was it was awful. I would just constantly just be like, oh, he's rising. He, This is definitely hitting back iron. And it was over and over again. Awful. Very much an anti-Malcolm Delaney. Um, that's a take. You've got, you've got takes on Malcolm Delaney, so that's a take. He's so bad. Oh, he's not good. I just don't know that I feel very strongly about him. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's good that you have these impassioned feelings for Malcolm Delaney. I, I do. Um, I don't like people being... Um, I don't want to say misread, but like, I don't know. It's not really his fault for people assuming that he'd be able to shoot um, when he transferred over. But it was just like this huge deal of like, oh, this guy from Europe, he's he's a really good story and he can shoot now. And it's like, no, he can't. 
and he's really bad. Um, speaking of the Hawks, though, so they move up to three, and it would have been weird, though, I guess, if there were three West teams that made it in the final group. That would have been kind of a weird look for the NBA, I think. But if Jaron Jackson is the guy, I'm going to be really pissed off. Because I like Jaron Jackson from what I've seen, and I already know where people are going to be talking about, like, oh, could he be Draymond 2.0 and all this? Like, no, thank you. Um, I already am concerned about two non-shooters on the floor for the Hawks, and if you get Jaron Jackson and John Collins, who, and look, I was talking about Malcolm Delaney, but John Collins is a good player, and he's a core guy, and he's going to be one of those plus-minus monsters for, like, the next 15 years. And I think he can play the five in this league. Great rebounder, great offensive rebounder. But I don't love the idea of him playing the five and Jaron Jackson playing the four next to each other. I could see that. Uh, I feel like the pick for them kind of has to be Marvin Bagley, especially if they're going to trade Dennis Schroeder because you're going to want that kind of from scratch shot creator. And he should be playing the four. Um, maybe you can get away with him for like short stretches at the three. I wouldn't try it, or maybe you use him at center. But him and John Collins seems like they'd be a little bit interchangeable. And with um, the the point to Jared Jackson, though, I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm the Hawks. I'd prefer Bagley, and they should have the option of of choosing between the two, looking at where they are in the lottery. But John Collins can kind of shoot threes. He was 35, better than 35 percent from the corners this year, and he was shooting them more as the season wore on. He attempted like about four fifty for the year attempts. That's okay. not a lot, but that I would think that's an that's more than I would have guessed. Yeah, I think he was his exact three point totals. I can't even remember. They were forty seven. Took forty seven. Were like forty six of them from the corner. Most of them, I think there was like three quarters of them were from the corner where he shot better than thirty five percent. So I would. That's just something to consider. But I still think Bagley would be the fit there anyway. And then imagine those two kind oh, of seventy two percent. I'm oh. looking at it on basketball reference right now. Yeah, it was, and it happened more as the season wore on. And it's not, again, it's not, he shot 25.9% on long twos. So we don't know if that's a good, if that's something that's sustainable. But he makes it interesting when you look at their front court because now they do have a few different options on how they can choose to build it. And you alluded to some of it uh, with he's going to be this plus minus monster. He can play the five. He's this great rebounder, but he can also switch enough to play the four. There are a lot of different things you can do there. But I'd be, if I'm the fans there, and I'm Atlanta, I'd be most excited about the potential of a Bagley Collins front court. And it just so happens that uh, Jabari Parker was one of my free agent targets for them way back when, like as a dice roll, because they'll have all this cap space. Uh, no, so Bagley would remove them from that conversation of having to make a serious commitment to a guy who has two ACL injuries in his wake. And they're not going to spend money in free agency anyway. Travis Schlank said it. So I think the Bagley-Collins pairing would be fun. Where would Jabari go? In like Chicago. I, I just don't. Why do they need? Could you imagine a defense with Levine and Parker in it? I don't think they care. Do you think that, like, I don't buy uh, Pax and Foreman, like, committing to, like, a five-year rebuild. I, I don't think they're going to do this. Is it a never-ending rebuild, so it's perpetual yeah. job security? Is that what they're exactly. selling? Exactly. Like, I just think it, they're going to get antsy. Like, they were still number one in attendance this past year. Well, that's the market they play in. I don't, I don't even know if they, if the fans there can stomach something that terribly, egregiously bad. Like, they're going to be really, really bad again next year. Yeah, unless they, uh, there's no free agent. And that's the thing, there's, even though they're going to have cap space, there's no free agent that they could just go out there and get who's going to make them appreciably better. The yep. bigger names aren't going to go there, and if you overpay for one of these mid-end guys, maybe he 
has like a Nikola Mirotich effect where you go from they had the worst record when he returned till they were playing like kind of 500 basketball with him. That would be their ceiling. Yeah. Um, is there any hope Luka Doncic falls to three? That's what I want more than anything. I almost hope if he doesn't go to Phoenix, I want him to fall to three because I can't, I almost, I can't fathom him being in, in Sacramento. I just, I'm so upset. Cause like you already see the report that Phoenix is already like zoned in on Aiton. And I'd forgotten that, like, this is, uh, it's been a long day, but I'd forgotten that Aiton played at Arizona. And I was like, oh, Phoenix, Arizona, they are, because the early connection was like Igor, their new coach, um, has this familiarity with um, Doncic because he coached him for the Slovenian national team. And it wasn't like it wasn't, it wasn't a successful run because they won gold at Eurobasket last year. And um, he knows him pretty well. And, I just, I don't know, man. Like the Aiton thing, if he goes one, are we sure Vlade is not going to take Bagley or Jackson? Because you know, Vlade, he loves him some bigs. And is he really going to talk himself into um, Doncic? And also, I don't know what that team looks like if they go De'Aaron Fox, Doncic, uh, Bojan. Is it Bojan or Bogdan? I asked this. Bogdan. It's Bogdan. Okay. Who I love, by the way. A lot of fun. Really good uh, player. Um, and then you have Willie Colley Stein and Scala BCA. Yeah, I don't. If you draft. Is that big, your core? Yeah. It's just. If, but if you draft big, you're giving up on the BCA, Willie Colley Stein, and or Harry Giles, who didn't play last year as a rookie. Okay. That's Harry like, Giles might be a little bit of a stretch. I'm just saying you have those bigs in place and you're still paying Zach Randolph. For another year, Coach oh, Kufos opted, opted in to the final year of his contract. It would still be kind of weird if you draft Donkic because you have – the Kings don't have these surefire building blocks, I would say. Bogdanovich is good. How much better is he going to get would be the question because he was an older rookie. And De'Aaron Fox still has that high ceiling. But they're just – they don't have these sure thing building blocks, and yet they're – I don't want to say stacked, but there's almost a log jam at every position. Uh, when you look at their depth chart. And so you have Donkic and Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald and Justin Jackson, and you still playing Garrett Temple will probably opt in. Uh, Amon Shumpert is probably going to opt in. Uh, there are just some weird things there, but I, I think it'd be easier to fit in Donkic because of what he can do as a pick-and-roll ball handler um, and because of how he spaces the floor. That There could be some interesting lineup here on there. He'd be the smart pick, but it is like you said. It, it would be the Kings. I don't understand necessarily the Suns being enamored with Aiton. I, I get it because you shouldn't draft for need when your bigs, primary bigs, in terms but of But that's youth. what they're doing if they take Aiton, right? Because they have a huge hole at the five. I don't know if it's a huge hole because let's see. Well, unless you believe, do you believe in Bender as a five? I do still I, believe in uh, Bender a little bit. You have Chris if you want to play super small. There's also mm-hmm. Alan Williams was a good player before his injury. Um, maybe you can test him out. It's just you. You also have this huge need at point guard. You're just going to re-sign out for Peyton if you draft Doncic. You can, you know, you talked about his familiarity with uh, Kakoshkov, but you also are able to play him with Devin Booker and Josh Jackson, and maybe that gives you three just positionless ball handlers. That would be more interesting to me for them to explore, particularly when you look at the free agent market. They'll have cap space, and they should be able to get someone in the middle who makes an impact before they're able to get a league average playmaker to really help jumpstart their offense with Booker. Are you 
at least concerned about the idea of two high usage guys and Doncic and Booker in the backcourt, though. And they might, I, I don't know about Doncic's like, um, profile defensively, but uh, something about Doncic and Booker scares me. You need, you would need Josh Jackson to defend a lot of point guards in that situation, yeah. but I think Doncic is fine to defend some twos and threes, and he could probably even take on some of the smaller, small ball fours. And so there are still things you could do there where you're putting Jackson on the top score, whether it's a point guard or someone else, and then Doncic goes to the second best, and you're still able to try and hide Booker. There'd be a learning curve there. Just the ceiling on that core would intrigue me more than if they uh, drafted Aiton. And if you could tell me that Aiton was going to be this phenomenal rim protector and this switchy defender like a lot of people think he's going to be eventually, then the tides turn a little bit. Um, but as of right now, I'm still, I'm all aboard the Donkage train. And if they, they take eight and that's fine. I just hope then that Donkage doesn't somehow wind up in, in Sacramento. I don't trust their, their player development there at all. But then again, Bogdan developed nicely for them. But also how did Dave Yeager keep his job? Last in, um, O rating, last in D rating. I don't understand like Zach Randolph was the highest usage player on that team this past year. He did not do, I wouldn't say he did a good coaching job, but he was put in an impossible situation. When you look at all the veterans they put on the roster who had the expectation of getting actual playing time that he implemented or that he in the front office implemented this, some nights we're not going to play certain veterans so that we can give the young kids some spin as the year went on is is kind of almost like a, a green check in his box. He didn't do a good coaching job by any stretch, but he wasn't put in a position where he could at the beginning of the season freely experiment. And then you just look at the roster and how much veterans they ultimately did give him. How do you not play any of them? Because it would have ended up, you look at Vince Carter, you're George Hill for a little bit, you had Kufos and Zach Randolph and Garrett Temple. The list just goes on and on. How are you just supposed to not play everyone? I'm not inclined to give him a pass, Per se, you would have liked to have seen him give more freedom to to Fox in in crunch time um, sooner than he did. But and I would have liked to have seen just more creative front court combinations when you're looking at the Willie Cauley Stein, the the BCA core, and we'll see if Giles factors into that at all. Uh, but I again, I, it's tough for me to really criticize the work he did because that team was just extremely poorly assembled. He was. 36 years old last year and had a usage rate of 27.6. Right. It's why is he on the team though? Because that's what Zach Randolph does. But like, I just, I, I watched way too many Kings games last year and I was just absolutely floored about the lineups that Jaeger was using. He barely played Scal. I, he clearly does not trust him. Um, He would play Willie Cauley Stein with Zach Randolph a lot. Did not go well. Um, Deer and Fox, uh, did not get enough run. I don't think he should have been playing like 40 minutes a night. Um, it was just weird. I, I don't really get it. I'm pretty out on Dave Yeager as a coach, especially in Sacramento. But then again, maybe they just got the number two pick because, uh, they promoted Peja and that promotion gave them some, uh, goodwill with the NBA gods. Maybe. Uh, and it'll be – and you can't fault them really for – what would be the bad pick at number two? We're talking about we're hoping Donkic for falls them? to three. But what, Anything other than Donkic. Yeah, so it seems like they have an easy decision on their hands, and the Suns are essentially going to make it for them. 
This should be they should be able to win the press conference of this draft fairly easily. But hopefully the Suns do go eight and one, and then the Kings really have to like Vladi, like Paige has like just take Doncic, and Vladi is just trying to do everything he can to sell the front office, the rest of the group, and Vivek and everybody else. He's like, no, I don't know, Bagley, uh, I don't know this guy. He's got the post moves. I think it might be him. <laughs> I guess they could probably talk themselves into doing something like that, but you hope they try and trade down. Or, or something would like that. Who would be the funniest Kings pick? Would it be Bagley at two over Doncic or Aiton? Well, if Aiton's there, they're taking Aiton. Um, I, if you take the thing with Bagley is I would think that you it's okay. Not not that it's okay, but he's probably, if you're talking yourself into someone else other than Aiton or Doncic at that spot, it, it should be him. So it would be really funny if they just decided that Jaron Jackson Jr. was the guy or that let's say Aiton's off the board and they're so dead set on just adding another big for some reason that they take Bamba Hmm. Bamba man he kind of scares me I don't from what I've read on him and his competitiveness and all that kind of I I don't know Um, which makes the Dallas stuff so funny to me because they just kind of went through this with Nerlens Noel and that did not go well and giving Rick Carlisle someone else like Bamba potentially seems like something that could backfire in a major way. But then again, Mavericks got kind of screwed here because I don't really know who the right pick for them is either. Um, man, they're in, they're in lottery hell. The teams that are in lottery hell right now are the magic Mavericks and Grizzlies. But then again, did you hear the Grizzlies like Chris Wallace thinks they're going to be a playoff team again next year? How many teams like finished with one of the worst records in the NBA, especially in the West, and made the playoffs the next year? I I don't I don't I don't know offhand, but that Can was guess- that was clearly their goal all year, was it not? By firing David Fisdale because you want you're you're going to side with Marcus All in that argument, and by not trading Tyreek Evans and hoping that your mid level exception is enough to keep him, you were essentially banking on whatever pick we get that we're going to use and bring in this prospect and hope that he's able to add on to the core of Conley and Gasol. And we're going to be back in that playoff picture the following season. I don't think they're going to be because you could have made the case. They got off to a really good start this year. A lot of people forget their bench was humming. They looked super deep, but even if you were going to assume they're fully healthy with Mike Conley, not dealing with his Achilles issues and, and all that, they weren't guaranteed a spot in the Western Conference's playoff race because that thing was brutal as we saw leading into the last day of the season. And they're not going to be guaranteed one next year. You need really good health from Gasol and Mike Cunley, and you need Tyreek Evans to come back and be a similar player. And you need your draft pick, whoever it's going to be now looking at where they landed to make an immediate impact. You need something more from Jermichael Green who kind of stagnated. You need to hope Dylan Brooks continues to develop uh, it. There are just so many like if ifs and ends and maybes that the Grizzlies kind of need to figure out, I would still be a little surprised if let's say they even hit on this draft draft pick, unless there are a few Western conference playoff teams that kind of hit the reset button over the summer, it would be, I'd be a little bit shocked if they were able to play their way back into that playoff picture. The Nuggets missed the playoffs and they won 46 games. The Memphis Grizzlies won 22 last year. They would need like a 25-win swing next year to make the playoffs. I'm not betting on it. It's it's so tough because I'd like to say that a healthy Gasol and and Conley are good for 
around 40, 42. And if Tyreek Evans comes back and, and fits with them, I think you can talk yourselves into the Grizzlies being a playoff team and making that win total jump, assuming everyone stays healthy. But I don't think they should be rebuilding. Like this should be exactly. the first pick in the it rebuild. It feels like a team that's like not looking in the mirror and not just saying, you know what? We got to reset here. Yeah. They're refusing 100%. to reset. Yeah. I'm a, I'm but then again, I don't know how you reset. Cause you still have that Chandler Parsons deal. I mean, not trading Tyreek was awful and they're probably going to resign him. Uh, but I will blame them for the wizards, not knocking off the Raptors in round one, because Tyreek Evans was that fifth guy for them. And I'm really upset that they were not able to trade their first round pick next year for Tyreek Evans this year. Um, that that will continue to bother me. But um, the Ben Macklemore stuff did not work out. <laughs> no. um, but hey, you know what? Marshawn Brooks had the career year in um, <laughs> Memphis down the stretch. I think he averaged like 20 a game um, in his like, last seven for the Grizzlies. But Chandler Parsons, not looking great. That's That contract's just terrible. And J. Michael Green, like you said, he'll have to have a better year um, next year. But it's just this team, like, we talk about the hell stuff. There is no way Conley and Gasol are healthy all next year. That's just asking too much out of a 33 turning 34 year old and a 30 year old turning 31. That, I just, I don't see it. Yeah. That, that is a lot to ask him, especially with the injuries that Conley's working his way back from, are those going to crop up again? And maybe because he had all that rest th- during this season, he should be fine. But that, that that's a lot to tether your future to, is saying that. Mario Chalmers was sixth in minutes for this team last year. Mario Chalmers. Yeah, I don't I don't see them making a 20-plus win jump. But th- I believe that that's been their plan since basically it became clear they weren't going to win games last year. That they wanted to add this top five pick, go forward with Gasol and Cunley, and just return to the playoffs after a year outside of it. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite draft moment last night? Um, Luke Kennard's face as they were just reading <laughs> Luke Kennard. Luke uh reading where the, the Clippers fell relative to that pick that they took from Detroit. It was just mm-hmm. like he was like smirking, biting his lip at the same time with a mixture of confusion. Like basically, I can't believe that I had to fucking come here because it's when there's protections on these picks and these teams have to still send representatives like the Nets didn't have to send a representative to the lottery last night like the Cavaliers had that free and clear maybe that's the incentive to general managers and team presidents not including protections on these picks so that they don't have to go there and watch this stuff unfold I I felt bad for him he's already at the being made a punchline because of Donovan Mitchell when Luke Kennard's actually not bad he's just not yeah, he shot Don- like 40 something percent from three like as a rookie that's really good he and he didn't play enough really good for right them. it's just he was they took him instead of Donovan Mitchell, and now that's just something that's going to follow him, which shouldn't. So I, I felt bad for him, but it was also his face in that moment was extremely funny. If the Pistons had taken Mitchell over Kennard, do we think that this is the same Mitchell in Detroit? No, because what type of a shot is he going to get? When you look at yeah. maybe Reggie Jackson's injury kind of opens it up for him, but it's you could do the same revisionist theory with the Jazz themselves. What if Gordon Hayward doesn't leave in free agency? What what does the opportunity there look like for Donovan Mitchell right out yeah. of the gate? And it's so that's what does why, Tatum look like if Hayward doesn't get hurt? Right. So uh, you had Danny. Ainge. I love that's we can do this with everybody. Right, and Tatum's a big one too because Danny Ainge said before the year he didn't think Jason Tatum was going to play enough minutes to be considered a viable Rookie of the Year candidate. So it wasn't like the Celtics plan to turn him into this 
everyday starter who was going to play 28, 30 plus minutes every, every game. That was never that was never their plan. I don't think the Sixers are going to keep the number ten spot. No, I I, I think uh, well, I, they, I think they're going to trade out down the board, or you think they're going to yeah, acquire I think they're a superstar? And, uh, not like, a superstar, but I think they're going to go for a veteran. I think Colangelo is inching closer and closer to um, getting older and older, and I I just I don't think they're going to want to draft somebody at ten. It's possible. I could see them. Well, they probably shouldn't use that pick unless it's a trade down situation where you're giving up your 10th pick and the Jared Bayless salary and then moving slightly down the draft board so that you have more cap space to work with when chasing PG-13 and LeBron. I don't know. They can build interesting trade packages. Like this 10 pick can be part of a Kawhi Leonard deal when you talk about if they're willing to include Saric or, or Markel Fos. But I don't know, looking at smaller scale, who's going to be available that maybe a pick and filler gets you an impact veteran. The trade market will develop as the offseason goes on, but they could really use, you know, what if they could roll the dice on a miles bridges would be good for them. I don't think Mikhail will still be on the board by them. I just looking at the trade market though, I don't know who would be available for them to trade for. Yeah. I don't know either. Can we get Jimmy Butler on Philadelphia? Jimmy Butler would be a great fit. I'd love to see, they need someone who can up. actually close games. They need it because guess what? It uh I don't think it's gonna be Markel Fultz. That's so that's such a loaded thing to say after his first year in which he didn't even really play. Oh, I, I'm okay. Um <laughs> what would you put the odds on him actually figuring out and turning into a superstar at this point? I, I don't because they have to if he's not gonna be a superstar, they have to trade him now. Like, they have to move on from him now because time is of the essence. And, like, we saw what Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are, and they're great, but they were relying on Marco Bellinelli and guys like that to bail them out in crunch time, like, just running JJ off screen after screen after screen and all that kind of stuff, which is fine. But they need they needed Markel Fultz to be in the game. That's part of what they drafted him for is, like, he's the go-to scorer. He's the guy who's going to help things when teams double Embiid and Simmons can't score and all this kind of stuff. And um, I don't know. Too much weird stuff. It's, I would trade him. It's, I would trade him this summer. If you're going to trade him, it has to be for a, like a blockbuster. It has to oh, be yeah. part like, of a I, Would you deal. trade him for Jimmy Butler right now? I would. No brainer. It's a no brainer, but I don't think the Timberwolves are trading Jimmy Butler. They'll counter Get with Andrew out of Wiggins. Minnesota from before Falls. Tibbs kills him. Only got a year left there before they could resign him, though, and he might want to take that money because I don't want any part of his next contract after two more years of playing under Tibbs. I would take his contract no matter how many years are left on his knees. I'm a Jimmy Butler ride or die guy. I I love. Oh, he's fantastic, but you don't. He plays a zillion minutes every night under Tom Thibodeau. But he won't in Philadelphia, and then uh, Tibbs maybe putting faults with Tibbs would be the best thing for him. Tibbs just yelling at him all the time and being like, you're not hurt. I feel like Thibodeau would sooner die than give up Jimmy Butler in a trade right now. Hmm. That I don't really know, but would you consider trading Fultz this summer? It sounds like you would not. I would oh, if you know it's what it is? depending what on What if the... you did Fultz for like Kyle Lowry? That that was, I was on my own podcast, I had a guest on and he proposed the same thing. I wouldn't. I love Kyle Lowry. 
but he's over 30, two expensive years left on his deal. We What we know about kind of undersized point guards is they're not supposed to age well. And even if you, even if he does, I don't, I, to, to trade Fultz for the next two to four years max of Kyle Lowry, even though he's a great fit with the roster, really seems l- like a bad beat. It would have to be, it has to be for that, you want them to have a closer? Like, it has to be for that playmaking wing who is also has an all-NBA ceiling to me. Like, it has to be in a lender trade or not at all. Or maybe if you're getting Paul George in free agency, then maybe you can be a little bit more flexible on the trade market with who you get back for him. But I would prefer to develop him over going after, after a Lowry type. And I say that as one of the biggest Kyle Lowry stands around. What about Fultz for Kimba? I wouldn't do that either because Kemba's about to cost you uh, a ton of money in 2019. McCollum? No, I wouldn't do that. Okay, well, Phillies, they're fucked. But maybe not if they get Kawhi Leonard and or LeBron James because Brett Brown did uh, seem to insinuate that an NBA team would be interested in acquiring two of the top five players in basketball, which, big news. Yeah, it, and they'll have the space I don't space want to either of them in Philly, by the way. Where do you want LeBron and where do you want Kawhi? LeBron, I'd rather see him go. I'd rather see him stay in Cleveland because of the inherent chaos that is there. I root for chaos, and there's always chaos in Cleveland when LeBron is there. If he is going to leave, I'd rather see him go to Houston just because it would be interesting yeah. to see them all try. and It would have to be an opt-in and trade, basically, because it's impossible for them to really get the cap space for him. But it would be really fun to see how he cp3 and james harden would figure out playing together that would be my picks for him paul george and philly would be incredibly fun though i think that's a fantastic fit do you know where i want paul george actually i have no idea back in indiana i love that idea of he's just so impressed by oladipo he's like yeah yeah, he just goes back back. (laughs) and like what it would say about westbrook for him to be like i'm gonna go back and uh play with oladipo i'm good Uh, i'm good here that would be fantastic. But even Pritchard, I'm not sure if he was just blowing smoke when he said, oh, it would have to be like the right situation for us. He'd have to fit the roster is what he said okay. about the possibility. For yeah, Paul he's Pritchard. a big fan of Bogdanovich and Thaddeus Young and his wing positions right now. Loves it. Yeah, so <laughs> that's like the Pacers, are, they'll have the cap space to do something like that. But they're in they're kind of in that interesting situation like the like the Suns were when they overachieved. Do you really double down? with an investment on this roster. If Paul George wanted to come back, I'd think that'd be a no brainer, but funneling money into this roster at all is, is kind of a, a clear and present danger for them. Personally, I want Kawhi and on, on Clipperland, and I want George and James on the Lakers. <sighs> that, Basketball I, is just better when Los Angeles is good. And when they have two really good teams and you put all these superstars in that market, like Lonzo, LeBron, Kuzma, um, just Paul George, it that, that'd be a lot of fun, man. It it would. It'd be fun, but is that a team that's going to ever threaten the Warriors? I don't care about that. All I don't right. think any team's threatening the Warriors that's for fair. the next couple of years. Like, we keep doing this over and over again. It's not happening. As long as Kevin Durant is on the Warriors, no one's threatening them right now. That's fair. But what would be what would be more entertaining? The Lakers with LeBron every single night. Like it would just be crazy to see of him wearing the purple and gold just the first time. It would um 
I'm here for it. And I've been like a LeBron should stay in Cleveland guy for a while, but after watching these last two games, which we can talk about, um, it seems like this is it. And just even seeing Cavs Twitter talk about LeBron, the Cavs right now, it seems like they're even kind of preparing themselves for post LeBron again. And if that's the case and Houston doesn't seem like a viable option, I would much rather LeBron go to the Lakers than the Sixers. You don't think he'll care about like leaving and kind of following in Kobe's footsteps or, or Kobe's shadow there. I think he still kind of cares about the legacy trope enough to not want to end up with, with that franchise. I, I guess it's, if he goes to the Lakers, I feel like it has nothing to do with really basketball and it's all about his off court life has become the priority. His kids want to live in Los Angeles full time and, and all that stuff. That's what that decision would say to me, unless the Lakers are able to, they have a ton of things they could do that I don't want to get into the nuance of it, but if they get both Paul George and LeBron James while maintaining the assets necessary to cobble together a Kawhi Leonard trade offer, that I could see being a, no, thank an interesting you. I don't situation. want Kawhi there too. I don't want Kawhi and LeBron on the same team. Oh, no I do. I want LeBron. Why? My secret does it. I want him on the Spurs. That's where I want LeBron. I want LeBron and Leonard on the Spurs okay, together. Okay, well, this that's not happening. <laughs> The Spurs are not even going to be able to keep Kawhi. I still think they'll end up keeping him. But yeah, they won't even have caps. Really? So you're still on Kawhi staying island? I just, well, I don't know who they would move him for right now. Just because maybe the the Sixers would probably be the ones most likely to make an aggressive trade offer. But he just played in nine games dealing with a quad injury and is going to be a free agent next summer. Teams don't typically mortgage the farm for an expiring contract who's working his way back from a major injury. He's so tough to move to me and get adequate value in return for. Yeah. I I mean, they're going to lose the trade. That's why, like, the Lakers stuff might be the best thing. I mean, it's probably the Sixers, I guess, if they can get Fultz in that deal. But um, Brandon Ingram would be the one going to San Antonio in that situation, which wouldn't be the worst thing, I guess. No, he'd probably turn into an all-NBA player there. Yeah. I don't know. Those are their, like, two best options. And then they're, like, Celtics fans yelling at me right now. Like, have you seen our war chest still now? Like, well, I don't think you're getting Tatum or Jalen Brown. And I don't think I would necessarily want Jalen Brown for that deal. But I'm still kind of skeptical about Jalen Brown. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the Spurs, if they trade him, they're going to lose the trade no matter what because they're losing a top-five player. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Those trades, they just don't win them. Like, I just, just don't. Maybe I have too much blind faith in Pop. Yep. Because he was able to Which solve the, the Aldridge thing. I just expect him to work it out with Kawhi Leonard. How many more Kawhi Leonard is at an LA event um, Instagram post are you going to be able to handle before you're just like, I have to remove Instagram from my phone? I don't check Instagram nearly enough. I only just fired up one like three months ago. So I don't have to think about that. <laughs> You fired up an Instagram post three months ago. Is that what you just said? I had yeah. I I fired up a new account. I guess. Oh, okay. So gotcha. I had an old one that I never used that might still just be out there. You could probably find two Dan Favallis in the ether, but now I oh, have no. one because I'm trying to do. All right. Well, you can DM me the real one so I know which one to follow. Um, you shouldn't follow you... it at all. It's just so dormant. It's so bad. <laughs> what have you thought about the Cavs and uh, Celtics series so far? I, well, I'm impressed by the Celtics. Um, 
and I I'm just so down on on the Cavs right now. I don't they don't even look like they care. It's just towards the end of game two specifically. It's like the lazy passes, the failure to close out on defense, the watching rebounds trickle off the rim so that the Celtics could just grab them. It's just I I would still I picked the Cavs in five, which is obviously not happening. I'd still roll with the Cavs because of LeBron James, but they are just his supporting cast is bad. It's it's just flat out terrible. And when you look at how hard the Celtics play, and I hate talking about effort, but when you look at how they just are on the ball at every point, how they have so many different guys who know they're not Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward, but they're all making plays offensively at once. It, it doesn't matter. Al Horford's attacking like a superstar. And then you can almost guarantee that two to three of Marcus Morris, Rozier, Tatum, and Brown are, are going to make big plays um, on on offense. And even Marcus Smart can be thrown into there. They're a deep team, a well-coached team. They, they defend their butts off. And just to look at the Cavs' body language, LeBron is going to have to carry them out of this series because his supporting cast just doesn't have it indefinitely maybe you get those nice one quarter two quarter performances from Kyle Korver maybe Kevin Love perks up a bit but I don't know that 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 Toronto Raptors series could have been I thought it would be closer to their normal but it might have ended up being their exception in the sense that I don't know if they're going to be able to count on three and four role players a night for the entire series yeah I don't think it's going to go well um did you see that Rodney had questioned to Tyloo last night and the way he responded to it yeah, it was just like, oh, because I want him in the rotation. Which it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> is Ty Lue back next year? Probably not, right? No. If LeBron leaves, he's gone. Even if, even if, well, I guess if LeBron stays, I don't know who you hire because he, what coaches will be left on the market. But I, I don't, I would be not at all surprised if he gets fired either way. But if LeBron leaves, he's gone. Hmm. I just, you know, what's the uh, really annoying thing is George Hill's like the best shooter who never wants to shoot. I'm not sure there's a player that annoys me more on the offensive end of the floor. He, do you think if you asked him and like gave him true serum, like that'd be the only way to get him to admit to like to himself and to other people that he is a good shooter and should be shooting more? Uh, yeah, he. George Hill is such a tough player to kind of peg. So it just, but he shouldn't be taking four shots a game. And I think it was six in game one. It's yeah. just, I, I don't understand it at all. I don't, that backcourt performance from Cleveland in game two is just absolutely terrible. And George Hill's important to what the Cavaliers are trying to do because he's long and theoretically, there's that word again, could kind of help you on defense. But if he's not going to give you anything as a spot up shooter, even take shots, that's, just a huge issue because he's supposed to be one of your reliable off ball guys, but instead we're going to have Jeff green. And yet he only took five shots in game two. It's just, you look at that shot distribution after Kevin love and LeBron James through that game specifically, uh, Tristan Thompson, six shots. Fine. He's not a scorer. J.R. Smith, seven shots. I'm not sure you want him taking anymore because he didn't make a single dang one. George Hill, four, Larry Nance, one, Jeff green, five, Kyle Korver was third in shot attempts for the Cavaliers with eight. Uh, it's just Rodney Hood, two shots in, in 11 minutes. I This team is so hard to figure out, but I think where, kind of to say it in some, where they might have deserved or warranted the benefit of the doubt before, they just don't anymore. And I think it's perfectly fair to say 
that they're done and that the Celtics are going to win this series. I don't necessarily believe it, but I think we've reached that point where it's more than arguable to take that stance. I'm still waiting on game three. If they go down 3-0, I think it's over. If they win game three and then put the pressure back, like kind of just get that win and get back over the hump a little bit, like I could see them still. Like it's still really hard for me to count out LeBron. But I mean, we knew it's weird that we all knew that LeBron was going to have a really good LeBron game two game. And he did. He had a 40 point triple double, but it obviously wasn't enough. And they still lost by 13. Um, that's concerning, especially like the second half that Boston put on Cleveland and um, JR stuff. Not exactly a great sign for a team trying to stay alive. Like that was not good. And um, I, I just, I don't know what else they can really throw. Cause like their big adjustment was like putting Tristan Thompson back in the starting lineup because he's traditionally given Al Horford a lot of problems, but guess who had a really good game last night, Al Horford. So that didn't work. Um, I just don't know what else Ty Lue can throw at Boston really mess with this series. I just, I, that's kind of why I brought up George Hill. I'm like, would that, how much would that help? Like, I, I don't know what else they can really do. Chetty Osman, it's time to come on down, man. Unleash him. <laughs> Unleash the odds. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what they do. Is it playing Larry Nance Jr. more because he seems like a smarter defensive player than they think they're, uh, yeah. feeling right now but then again he can't catch the ball on offense it seems I don't know if he's <laughs> nervous or whatever but he just can't catch the ball this is I I, I don't oh, know what they, they should do. not play Jeff Green anymore no no that would be that's been about something they could have said all season yep he's had like that's these something. randomly good games but Jeff Green more often than not is going to hurt you than help you yeah I um ugh. I just, it's really sad because I really don't know what else they can do at this point. Um, you need Kyle Korver to launch probably 15 threes a game. And that's the only, like, it's it's a problem when he looks like your third most aggressive player. It's a problem. It's just, it, it's a problem. And I there's nothing, they don't have the talent to kind of get by just coasting or not really giving maximum effort or trying to chase more of those 50-50 balls or really do anything. Like the off-ball movement on the offensive end outside of quarter is just non-existent. They just don't have the talent to make up those deficits. And it's even worse because I don't know that they have the talent to even get better defensively. Tyron Lewis coached a, a terrible series. He's still searching. Like It's like he finds lineups that have played under 10 minutes together this season. He's like, you know what? We need to see what you can do now, even though it's the Eastern Conference Finals, and I should have a better idea of what this means. And it goes from Rodney Hood not playing to Jordan Clarkson not playing. I don't see how they have the potential to get any better. It comes down to are certain guys going to hit more shots? And I don't know that you look at this team and outside of LeBron and, and Kevin Love even, but he's been a roller coaster ride this playoffs and say – you know what? This guy's going to play better. We're at the point where they're 13 games into their postseason. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals. They had some nice moments against the Raptors in the second round, but this team has struggled to find reliable production on a day-to-day basis for a large chunk of this year, but certainly throughout the entire postseason. That's all fair. Um, last thing, then we'll go. Which job should Mike Budenholzer take, the Bucks or the Raptors? And why is it the Bucks? Because they're offering him a partial ownership stake, which is always a good sign for a stable franchise when they're offering a future head coach um, a stake in ownership. Yeah, I don't understand. I'll remove that from the equation. I'd still pick the Bucks. Their cap situation isn't great, but they have 
a young top five star in Giannis Antetokounmpo under team control. This is good because I disagree. I thought we would agree on this. I'm glad. Why um, would you go to Toronto? That That's cap hell. That team is peaked and you okay, don't necessarily can, have the trade assets to get any better. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think they do have a lot of good trade assets. I think OG Ananobi is a trade asset. I think Jonas, after the way he played this year, is a trade asset. I think... Um, teams i think there are probably a lot of teams that would trade for demar Derozan at this point even though we saw some issues like if philly called for Derozan, i would not be surprised at all um kyle lowry still a really good player and guess what they are a stable team a stable front office you have masai ujiri one of the best executives in the league and if he wants to bring you in and he gave Dwayne casey years and years and he wasn't even like Dwayne casey was there before masai and he still found a way to work it out like i trust the raptor structure a lot more than i do the bucks at this point i i have no idea what to make of the bucks ownership group they have the two-headed monster there they changed out their gm and like i don't even know his name off the top of my head um it's the young guy right he's like in his early 30s or something but they were gonna go with the guy from utah and they ended up like there was like an ownership split on who to hire so they just promoted from within and he might be good who knows um but I would be very, very worrisome about taking that job. And it feels like if Budenholzer takes the Bucks job, he's going to be in the exact same position he was in in Atlanta the last couple of years with Wes Wilcox, where he has a lot of power and he's going to do some Tim Hardaway for a first round pick deals. And I just, he needs to go somewhere that's going to protect him from himself, from signing Dwight Howard over Al Horford. Like he needs to go somewhere that's going to tell him no bad bud. No. And that's Masai in Toronto. And I would take that job every single time. If you offer me the Milwaukee situation right now, even with Giannis and I love Giannis. He's a great player. I do not trust that front office. I do not trust that roster. I do not trust Giannis to be there two years from now. I think he's gone and it's just no, thank you. No part of the Milwaukee job. People need to stop talking themselves into Milwaukee. It's over. It's tough for me to argue any of your points, but I, I think if you're really that concerned about Bucks GM John Horst, or if you're really concerned about there it is, John Horst, yeah, if, you you, if you're concerned about the ownership group there, I, I totally get that. But the Raptors overachieved this season, and the Bucks, when you look at their talent, they've underachieved, and so you're going to have the opportunity to make more progress there to me than you would with Toronto. I guess one of the benefits of going to Toronto is are you taking the job perhaps knowing that you would be on a team that could be hitting the reset button after next season or in the middle of the next season and they want to keep you around for that because then that's uh, affords you more job stability over the long haul. But just looking at basketball. I don't think they want to reset though. I think they want to reshuffle. If, but I'm saying if they if it doesn't work out next year, then I think you're looking at the point where you're probably going to stare down a reset. Kyle Lowry would be an expiring contract. DeRozan, if he's still on the team, will have two years left. Ibaka will be an expiring contract. Valanciunas will be an expiring contract. If they're willing to keep you around beyond that and they want you to be – if things go sideways next year or in a year or two and they still want you to be the coach that would usher in a rebuild, then I kind of get that. But Milwaukee objectively has the more flattering talent right now. And – I don't know if that's true either. If you, it's all Giannis. It's I get Middleton is great. He's probably a top thirty player in the league right now. Bledsoe can be better. 
Um, Tony Snell was terrible in the playoffs, but he can hit threes and will probably be better during the regular season. The center rotation's a concern. I, I'm not going to bet anything on, on Thon Maker. John Henson is fine. But Jabari Parker could still be a good offensive player. There are just a lot of different things you can do there. And while the Raptors can grow from within when if they re-sign Van Fleet, uh, if you you have Siakam, you have you have Pirtle, they do have a bunch of these young guys, OG Ananobi, even Norman Powell, maybe you hold out hope for. There's to me, there's just objectively more you can do from a basketball standpoint in Milwaukee than you can in Toronto, both in the short and long term. It just seems like it's easier to make measurable progress there. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I think they're close, but and, and maybe it's just like the superstar aspect is like that's just it's hard to say no to taking on a top 10 player that you could potentially turn into a top five player in Giannis, but uh, I don't like Bledsoe being there for another year. Middleton, I mean, it's not a bad deal. 14 million for three years. Seems like a steal with how good he is. You still have Henson. Tony Snell for four years. Matthew Delvadova for three years. I don't know. There's some stuff I just, I I don't love. But then again, like you said, Toronto is giving a lot of money to Valachunas, Ibaka, Lowry and DeRozan so they're gonna I I just don't think those four are gonna be on the team next year anyway so it wouldn't surprise me if they move on from at least two of them and like I like a lot of their young players I love Dylan Wright I love Van Fleet and um, OG Ananobi starting and just being an amazing rookie he just he deserved a lot more credit for what kind of season he had and just being inserted into the starting lineup and just running with it and just being really good right away. Pascal Siakam is really good. And he seems like someone who's going to only get better with age and time in the league. I, I don't know. I, I trust Masai way more than I trust anything going on in Milwaukee. And do you honestly think that Giannis is there after two years? That's, he's opting out and that's it. Well, he doesn't have an opt out. I think he's under contract for the next three years. So they would have to trade him. He was done. I thought he could opt out. No, because I remember him saying last year they were on the clock. Like he, well, they're on the clock, but just because I think he could probably force a trade after two years, you know, summer of 2020, he could probably do that. But they have him for three years, and so to have him under team control is is huge. Mm. I I think it's a it's a fair point that you're making, and I think there's certainly a debate to be had there. I would just um, give me the top five superstar on the right side of 25. Is just basically my take. That's fair. That is fair. I I don't know. We could talk. We could argue back and forth on this, but this is uh, this is interesting. Where do you think he ultimately picks? Because I think he ultimately takes the Bucks job because he's going to get like some. He's going to get the ownership stake, and it's going to be like a John Gruden type situation where they're just going to keep up in the offer for whatever reason, and um, he's going to be locked in. He's going to get like a ten year deal in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, he if if these jobs are both readily accessible to them, it, it everyone made it seem like the Suns job was there at one point only to see him remove his name from the running. A lot of people thought he was going to get the Knicks job. If these two jobs are are both there for him, I would expect him to take Milwaukee too. And then where does Toronto go? I have no – they'd probably look at promoting from within. Nick Nurse, Jerry Stackhouse, maybe you look at Messina from San Antonio. Mm-hmm. There are some names still out there. I think they interviewed the Boston assistant too or they were going to. There, there'd be places for them to look. But to miss out on your top guy, if we're assuming he's their top guy, after firing Dwayne Casey would be a fairly big deal. George Carl? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they do. Coach Thorpe? <laughs> um, all right. Well, there we go. This was fun, man. I'm glad we were able to do this today. Yes, I always have a blast coming on. Thank you for having me. 
All right. Well, we can find you on Twitter at Dan Favalli. We can read you at Bleacher Report NBA and NBA Math, two of my favorite sites that I read every day. Um, so go check those out. Follow Dan on Twitter. And Dan, uh, have a good rest of the week, and we will talk again soon, man. You as well, Chase. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.